0: On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I'm going to let you guys in on our E-Commerce Executives Roundtable discussion that we had. And today is part one. Part one was all about subscriptions, subscription box products, just subscriptions in general, how to get people into subscriptions. I had an incredible panel that included Ryan McKenzie from True Earth. Uh, it included John Roman from Battlebox. We had Ezra Firestone on from Boom by Cindy Joseph, etc., uh, etc. It was just really an incredible, incredible discussion. Sorry, Nick Hall. How could I forget? Just great discussion. I learned a ton. And there's a lot of things that I'm going to implement in some of our businesses after having uh, listened to this discussion and been a part of it. So I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this one. At Mindful Marketing, we know that you want your brand to be successful. In order to do that, though, you need to predictably acquire new customers. The problem is Facebook and Google are only getting more expensive, which makes you feel unsure of whether your brand will survive. We believe that building a community of loyal and repeat customers is the answer. We understand how hard it is to predictably grow a brand, which is why we have created a system using our own mid-seven-figure e-commerce brand as a test case. And here's how we do it. Number one, we execute a profitable ads strategy. Number two, we build a brand-owned loyal base of repeat customers. And number three, we grow exponentially. Predictably and consistently. So download our free sales launch checklist at mindfulmarketing.co/slash slc so you can stop having sales that bomb and instead grow your revenue predictably and exponentially. Before we begin, I just want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, Gorgeous. Look, if you're looking to scale and improve your customer service without scaling your headcount, I highly recommend Gorgeous. Gorgeous is the number one help desk for Shopify, Magento, and big commerce stores. It combines all of your communication channels, including email, SMS, social media, live chat, and phone, into one platform. This saves your support team tons of hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. With Gorgeous, you can easily use machine learning to automate responses to your most frequently asked questions. And if you're on Shopify, you can edit, return, refund, or create an order right through Gorgeous. This frees up time so your support team can focus on complex questions. Brands like Olipop, Deathwish Coffee and Steve Madden have reduced their response times and increased efficiencies. And I just want to say that we use them at every single one of our brands, and it saves us tens, if not hundreds, of hours a month. So book a demo at gorgeous.com. That's G O R G I A S today. And mention the Secrets of Scaling podcast for two free months. Now, on to today's episode. I have an absolutely unreal panel uh, for our first discussion. So our first discussion is all going to be around subscriptions, uh, subscription services, subscription boxes. I have uh, some incredible um, panelists on the subject. Uh, I honestly couldn't think of four better people to talk about this. For those of you guys who don't know myself, my name is Jordan West. I am a multi-brand owner. This is a really cool panel for me because, um, Ezra, I didn't tell you before, but I really learned uh, e-com from you back in the day. Uh, I started in about 2015, 2014, 2015, and Digital Marketer and Ezra were the the two sources that I went to for all of my e-com knowledge. So, I'm super, super thankful and just, yeah, incredibly grateful to have you on this panel.
1: Yeah, man. Well, I'm happy I could be a small part of the journey, you know? Yeah. Um, I was lucky enough to be one of the first guys talking about e-commerce online, like back when blogging really kind of came into popularity in like 2000. you know, eight, nine, 10, um, I was already in the game. And so, and I started a blog and it just was like right place, right time, you know? So I think I got lucky in that way of just being first, you know, not necessarily being better than anyone else, but just like being one of the first people to do it. So, so sort of, you know, became one of the default voices, which, and then, you know, kept at it and, and have really enjoyed it and had fun and had success, but Uh, Also, you know, always happy to hear when I've been helpful to someone.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, yeah, it's been really, really transformative. Uh, Ryan McKenzie uh, has become a a buddy of mine now. Uh, You're only about a half hour drive from where I am here, Ryan. Uh, Do you want to tell people a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do?
2: Yeah, my name is Ryan McKenzie. Um, I'm just going to replay what Ezra said earlier, but uh, I'm a (laughs) co-founder of True Earth. I'm the co-founder of True Earth. Uh, We make an uh, eco-friendly laundry detergent brand that's um, grown tremendously in the last... uh, little over two years. I think we were the second fastest growing startup in Canada, according to planes magazine or uh, Canadian business, or I can't even remember, but yeah, we've, uh, I've known Ezra for probably like four or five years. And, and like, uh, like Jordan, I can remember reading some of Ezra's blog posts, specifically the Dipsy Doodle. And that was, and the Don, Don Dalliber, still, baby, the Don Daliber, that one I can, and, and, you know, I was in e-commerce for like more less like e-commerce stores and more like direct response style e-commerce selling. And uh, I can remember reading, I think Ezra had like some sort of story, some blog post about coffee and a coffee machine. And there was like pictures of like you and Carrie. And I'm like, this guy seems kind of interesting. And the next thing, you know, I don't know, it's been seven, eight years later. And, and uh, I get to talk to the guy fairly regularly and call my friends. So I'm lucky there. So that he also had quite a bit of influence on me. So, uh, so all, all hail Ezra. He's a, he's a great guy. And, you know, he's helping a lot of people.
1: This is supposed change. to be about how wonderful you are, bro.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got, you know what? Yeah. Switch. But yeah, Ezra, Ezra is uh, you know, he's, he's inspired me to do a lot of great stuff. And without him in my life, I probably wouldn't have uh, discovered a lot of things we did. So yeah. Thanks, Ezra.
0: I, I got to say as well, I I, I started a mastermind. I don't, I don't know how long ago that was now, John, maybe oh, about a year ago. I, I was basically, I was like, oh, I really want to join Blue Ribbon, but I don't know if I can or if I've got the time or whatever. So I'm like, I'll oh, I'll start my own. So again, props to
1: you, Ezra. <laughs> I think it's always a good idea. I think if you're, it's like the bartender at the party, right? It's like, that's the best position to play, like be the catalyst to create community, create the thing that, that people want to gather around. And then you end up benefiting from that the most. Right. So so rock and roll.
0: And that's, that's exactly what I say all the time. I'm like, I'm getting the most out of all this. Like it's, it's great. Uh, John Roman, speaking of uh, tell us a little bit about who you are, some of your brands and uh, et cetera.
3: Sure. So far from an OG, to the ecom game been in it for a little over six years now so we've created through creation and acquisition a portfolio of e-commerce subscription centric brands largest of which uh battle which also has a show on netflix and carnivore club which is a uh Monthly artisanal meat box. And I lead marketing, sales, and tech for all the brands. I feel so left out that I don't know Ezra because I, we, we don't know each other. And I can't, I, I feel like I've been left out for the past few years. I'll slide in your DMs, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: awesome. Uh, and Nick Hall. Nick, do you want to tell uh, the audience a little bit about who you are, what you do?
4: Yeah, for sure. I am Nick Hall. I'm one of the co founders of Vita Five. We do a bunch of different gummy vitamins. We started with it. it. was all custom packs where you could pick and choose whichever vitamins you want. And we sent on a four-week subscription. Um, and then later got into um, retail and Amazon. So we are just continually trying to grow. But I started a little bit different than I think some of these people. We were about as clueless as it got right out of college thinking, oh, we're the only kids that started a company and found out after day three that <laughs> we didn't know how to sell anything. So we've come a little ways, but definitely did not start in the marketing world or anything like that.
0: Yeah. Nick, I mean, it's amazing to see like, just, you know, when, when Nick starts to answer some of these questions, they, they have come a long, long way. And, and I think one thing to note too, pro- most likely for all of us, n- none of us really knew what we were doing. You know, like <laughs> Ryan, how many years were you bartending while you were also doing business?
2: Dude, I've been, I've been, I was talking to somebody the other day about this. Like, I've been doing, I've been, I've had a business since like 2000 and like I'm 40 now. And I think my entire twenties minus like two years, I was doing some sort of side hustle, regular job. Like I thought it was bartending, selling cell phones. And then once I turned 30, I got a, was doing long shoring on the side at night, which is like moving containers and like stuff like that. in like logistics while I tried to become an overnight success, 20 years in the making. And you know, it's not until like the last five years that I've had not had a second job. So it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a grant. It it, there's always something.
0: Yeah. For me. And sorry, guys, we will get started on some questions here, but I, I think it's interesting to note when you see people who have had some amount of success, knowing that it, it is not really overnight for for anybody. I was a paramedic for 12 years uh, up until March 3rd this year while having multiple businesses. And it, it's crazy what we do to, to see things um, succeed. So Anyway, I am super, super pumped. We've already gone through 10 minutes here of uh, potential questions. We are going to get down to some questions. So I'm going to have an open question here. If you could start a subscription service absolutely from scratch, we're going to start with Ryan. What are some of the product ideas or types of products that you would put in a subscription service, Ryan?
2: I mean, I guess it depends which way you're going. If you're going like a subscription box, or you're going with individual products, but you know, my, my preference is definitely consumables. Whether that's like, you know, not necessarily something you eat, but whether it's laundry detergent or makeup, like, uh, or like skincare, like Ezra sells. It's not skincare, but beauty products. Uh, stuff basically that people are going to use over and over again. And the reason being is a lot of these people typically once they they find a product that they like, they have a tendency to stick with it provided the product checks all their boxes. So, you know, you might pay a little bit more to acquire a customer in the beginning, but if you can create it's easier to create lifelong or or long-term relationships with a person over an individual product than it is over a subscription box where they might not get to to choose their their items specifically. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've started a few subscription boxes and it's a fantastic model. It's just more complex to start than an individual consumable. Yeah. Awesome.
3: I I was going to say though, Ryan, you're so spot on with the consumable piece. I mean, I, I don't know if I should admit this. I'm, you know, almost 40 and I still use Axe body spray. Because I used it as a kid and it's just, it's, I never got rid of it. Right. But I'd make that purchase over and over and over again, probably way more than I should, but it's that brand loyalty. Right. And consumables is just a perfect, perfect space for that.
2: For sure, you know, and to pull people away from the brands that they already love, it's probably going to cost you more on the customer acquisition side than a one-off product, or specifically trying to convert people. But if you if you can convert them and you can check all the boxes that made them use the other product, it's a lot easier to 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 keep them uh, as a customer.
0: I've got a question, a follow-up question for you, Ryan. When starting a subscription service, do you recommend still having the option of one-off purchases, or do you try and push everybody into a subscription?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I can tell you an answer about this from from experience. So, like when we first launched True Earth, we only had an option for subscription. We only had an option for monthly subscription, as a matter of fact. And if somebody tried to wanted to try the product specifically, like we would, we would push them to like a kind of like a secret page where they could buy a one-time purchase, but. You know, it's not, it's not a good experience. It's just, you want people to purchase the way that they feel comfortable purchasing. And, you know, I feel like any f- opportunity you give them to, to form dissonance around your brand. Like if somebody's a single person that is traveling around the world, you know, even an annual subscription for 32 loads of laundry doesn't necessarily make sense to them because they're, they're always moving from spot to spot. So you want to be able to, to cater to people where, wherever they are.
0: Yeah. Great. I've got actually a good question um, from the audience here. I'm going to give this one to Ezra. So Brandy asks, she's in beauty. She's curious on the ideal subscription box price point discounts, bundles, um, the perceived price or value that the customer gets.
1: So, So I think that price point is dictated by market segment, right? I am selling to the baby boomer generation and people over 50 who tend to have a little bit more uh, disposable income. So you can kind of command a bit of a higher price there. And then there's also price points within every market segment, right? So there's always going to be a low, a middle, and a high for any given product. And when I price my products... I spend time, energy, and effort to develop a very premium product. And then I always price at the most premium end of the market. And that's a deliberate marketing strategy. Number one, I'm a really good storyteller and I can make a really, really great promise. And what sells is a promise. A product doesn't sell. A promise sells. The goal of the product is to live up to the promise that you made. And so I'm really good at making promises. I've been practicing it now for 15 years, 16 years. And I'm really good at developing products that live up to those promises, which is the job of the product. So I think it's less about what is the right price point, and it's more about who are you speaking to, and what market segment are they in, and where do you want to fall within that particular. Product slash category in terms of price range. And I think if your average order value in e commerce is sub 50 bucks, you're going to have a hard time scaling a business with paid amplification and direct response marketing and sales funnels and conversion rate optimization and email marketing. Like, I'm, I think it's more about what's your average order value and what traffic or visibility sources are you using? And do those two things line up?
0: Awesome. That was a good answer, uh, Ezra. Nick, I've got a, a question for you. What are the steps that you need to take to start a subscription service? So starting starting with first a product, right? So you've got a successful e-com store. What are those steps that you need to take to move into the
4: subscription area? Yeah, I think some of this will kind of piggyback off of both of them. But I think kind of like Ezra was saying, like you got to have first before anything, subscription, non-subscription, whatever it may be. It's got to just be an amazing product. Because at the end of the day, especially as you're doing consumable products, you, the idea of the subscription is not to scam people into a subscription. It's just to help them like remind, Hey, I'm giving this to you every month because you were going to go buy it anyways. And so for us, we always started with like the product's got to be the best out there. And so we went out there and taste tested and, you know, kind of did our like double blind studies or or a single blind study and said, Hey, what's your thoughts on this versus all of our competitors. And we get all the feedback and kind of go from there. And really we try to hit in on every single thing. We're gonna look at like the product taste, you know, we're in gummy vitamins. So it's like the product taste, the product efficacy, the look of the product, the packaging design itself, depth of the packaging, and then we dig into the, like, the website. But in terms of just like high level, product's gotta be amazing and the site's gotta be like easily converting. And so when we look at our site, we always are um, adding new features just to make it that much easier to add something to the cart to check out um, all that. And like one of our biggest mistakes from, you know, the early days, which this was 2015 was we did a custom built site rather than doing Shopify. And so I'm pretty gung ho, Hey, go Shopify all the way. So. Ryan, do you have a response to that?
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, the, the, the best platform to use is the platform that that you're the most comfortable with and, and it's the easiest for you to set up and it works for, for your operations. Like, you know, for us, we, we've got a custom platform and there's a lot of pros and, you know, there's, there's also some cons, but there's going to be pros and cons on, on virtually, virtually any platform. I mean, the big pro to a, a platform like Shopify is like, it's kind of like your iPhone, right? If you have an iPhone, you have the, the app economy that exists. So you, you have this perpetual engine of people creating, uh, creating tools to keep you on like the bleeding edge of, of what's working. But I mean, there's there's some setbacks or, or things that hold you back when you're on a platform that somebody else owns as well. So I mean for most people I would say there's more pros to going with a, a you know a platform like Shopify, but it just really depends what you're doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and Ryan and the guys over at True Earth have an amazing custom platform that they use, which is why I asked him. Uh, I've, I've got a question for uh, Ezra specifically, but I'd like to ask a couple other people about this afterwards. So from your experience, why would people choose the subscription model versus purchasing as needed? And then what kind of incentives and or storytelling um, would you use for that?
1: So convenience for one, right? Like I, I don't want to have to think about when my cat food's running out. I know I kind of use it every two weeks. And so I just like that it shows up. So, so if you consume something regularly, it's convenient. And then there's the incentive of a discount, which most subscription programs offer cheaper price points to it, when you sign up for subscription and commit to getting it consistently. So, so there's convenience and then there's the discount rate itself those tend to be the kind of main motivators. There's other motivators. There's other things people do to promote their subscription discounts, like, you know, special access to other products on the store, first access to new product launches or special discounts that other people don't get or special gated content, all kinds of stuff people do. But the kind of core motivators, if you just look at like Amazon, right, who uh, a lot of people copy Amazon's sort of strategy for subscription, it's convenience and discount.
0: Yeah, awesome. I mean, that's, that's great marketing material. I feel like that was a, that was a great answer. John Hubble, how about for you guys? How do you guys turn one-time buyers into subscription um, across all your
3: brands? Sure. So, you know, BattleBox specifically, we don't offer the the boxes in a one-time manner at all. We we do a a few times a year via kind of uh, that supreme easy drop model, limited supply and, you know, unannounced sometimes. But for us, it's all about the experience, right? So survival gear, outdoor gear, camping gear, it's not a consumable, right? I mean, it, some of it is, but for the most part, it's not. You're, you're not, you know, you get a tent, you're not going to get another tent for a very long time. So for us, it's all about the community and the experience and knowing, you know, the testing that we do on the products and the interaction that, that we give to our our consumers. So it's, it's, it's just a much different animal. Now we have, you know, a couple of brands in the male health and beauty space where it is a consumable one. It's just, it's a completely different ballgame from like an experiential subscription box.
0: Nick, how about for you guys? How are you guys differentiating one-time purchases and trying to, trying to ascend people into a subscription
4: model for, for your product? Yeah, we have a number of ways. So we started just strictly subscription kind of as, you know, I think Ryan was saying with his company originally, we, we then later actually allowed one time or subscription, but definitely push for the subscription. And now we've got, I mean, we've had a number of ways. So we're in a number of retail doors as well. And so we've got little QR codes, just little QR codes in the back of the bag. And it just says, hey, you want a free bag of vitamins? And they'll just kind of go through a little bit of a process. And you know, immediately we're getting their SMS. Then from there we can send them in to get their email and SMS. And so we're we're constantly getting, you know, majority of our revenue comes from one-time purchases because of our retail and our Amazon side. However, on our site, most of it comes from um, the subscription. So we kind of just push people through a funnel to try to get them back to the subscribing.
0: Awesome. Yeah. That's super interesting. So do you have that QR code on the back of every single package?
4: Yeah. So like even the ones that you send out to retail? Yeah. So yeah, we do it even for retail and, and it may sound a little bit crazy. So we just have something like this and it says, get your get yourself some free vitamins. And then on the back, it's just a code. This will open up into a a text message. So we're immediately getting the inquiry there. You know, we'll, we'll test this stuff though. like, so sometimes I'll say free vitamins, maybe it's a free gift. Maybe it's talk to customer service, just try to see like what's out there. Um, and we really will give you a free, we will give you some free vitamins if, if you kind of give us your thoughts. And so whether that's just like, you know, a review on our site or maybe something on target.com or just kind of giving us any really good feedback. But it also allows us to get the email because whenever you go into a retail store, you know, you've never gotten a text or an email or customer support from Lays. So we try to look at it as like, you know, hey, how can we be innovative you know, when we're selling 100,000 bags, you know, a month into stores? How are we able to start capturing more of that consumer data?
0: So, Nick, Brandy actually has a great question that, that I was thinking at the same time is how do your retailers feel about that? Right. How do your retailers feel about you pushing people back in? Because I was thinking, Ryan, yeah. what a great idea for you guys too.
2: <laughs> right. I was I was I'm literally texting, I'm literally texting my director of marketing this exact thing right now. <laughs>
0: I feel like I just got like about a, a million dollars worth of value out of that, Nick. I was like, oh my gosh, of course. And everyone's using QR codes.
4: Yeah. Now. Cool. Like they were dead and now they're going to be used. We waited till COVID. I mean, we, we actually never had the idea until COVID. And then everyone's scanning on their you know the menus. And I'm like, this is freaking genius. One thing that we're going to probably change. So we use PostScripts for text messaging and this goes strictly to a PostScript's text. So like if you scan this code, it's going to open up in a text send out, right? So you're saying like, hey, what's the issue with, like for instance, a Target? And they come to us and they're like, what the hell are you going to try to buy? We really don't care where people buy. If it's Target, Kroger, Amazon website, whatever it may be, of course the ideal, yes, is the subscription. But there's different consumers. and Some consumers go about it different ways. Like some people are like, hey dude, I'm only shopping in Target. So what we do is we actually take them through a funnel and in the funnel, we'll give them the option of like, where did you buy? Now we've got a ton of retailers. So we just kind of put it as like, Hey, did you find us in Target, Walgreens, Kroger, HGB, or Amazon or our website, you know, leave it to those five. If it and was this is through wrong, a te- through text that people are. Um, so they'll start with a text that actually goes to a type form. Um, we're creating a website that has it a little bit, a little bit more official. And then once we get that, then what we can do is anyone that came from Target, we can now retarget and say, Hey, we know you bought this in Target, go back for the $2 off coupon this week. So that's kind, of the, that's kind of the idea of what you're able to then do with it. And I mean, to be completely honest with you, we are by no means as smart on the digital marketing side as some of these other guys, but we've had to be like as creative as possible to get as much organic traffic. We're getting four times the amount of users per month from this on every single bag than we are from pop-ups on our site. So now take that with a grain of salt, right? I know Ryan, Ezra, John are probably getting quite a bit more traffic to their site every month, so it may not be the same, but... If you're sending it out with everything, you don't have to necessarily give them free product.
3: I, I think that's brilliant. So we we do something not as interactive or cool as that. So that the sales channels that we sell on where, you know, I probably won't, won't say them, but sales channels where you're not getting customer information. What we do is we have a QR code where it's simply to, uh, this is for one-time products when we do sell those. Like Battlebox, we sell all the products individually a la carte on our site and other platforms. But um, the platforms outside of our website, it's a QR code to register your product. Why would you not register your product? I mean, the purpose of it, I'm really not sure. But people natively are like, oh, I need to register my product. And obviously, that's then going to our site, a form to then get all that customer information.
0: Is there some uh, kind of like war warranty involved in that, John? Is that why people go go to register, or what what reason? Uh, I think is
3: I think maybe subconsciously they're thinking. I I don't know. It's it's a simple registering your product. There's there's no call to action that would make sense on why you would. But we see a pretty high take rate of people that actually just they're getting the product. They're scanning it because it's like human nature. Now you see a QR code. There's a call to action telling you to do it. People, well, I'm going to register it. And in that, once they hit our ecosystem, then we can, you know, position the subscription box, position, bringing them into our community of, you know, Facebook groups and boards and all the, the added value that, that comes with being a member.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Uh, question, I, I, I kind of want to see what, what everyone says about this. We're going to start with Ezra on this. I'm interested to see what you guys are doing for pre-purchase. Like, so so, say you've got a, a quarterly um, subscription. Uh, do you have some pre-purchase or post-purchase upsells in there somewhere? So I don't
1: actually sell subscription on my e-commerce brand. Oh, okay. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sell subscription. So I have a I have a software as a service company that is all subscription. And we do, you know... Um, millions and millions of dollars a year in in that in sub- first subscription but i don't offer subscriptions in my e-commerce business and yet 51% of my revenue comes from repeat customers so you know you don't need subscription to have a high repeat revenue rate if you are marketing effectively i don't offer subscriptions because my demographic is not a good demographic to offer subscriptions to. Subscriptions work really well to Gen Gen X and below, right? So basically people who are sort of 50 and under, Gen X, millennials, gen z that's great they understand technology they can go in and edit their orders they can use the subscription they just understand subscription as a business model the boomers and you know people in that sort of 60 plus range have had terrible experiences of subscription bullshit pills they can't cancel you know forced continuity they didn't know they were on just like as a generation the subscriptions that they've been subscribed to before the sort of advent of uh, positive subscription technology and e-commerce were really bad. And so half of my customers are worried they're on subscription when they're not. So, and then we, we tried it at one point and it's a very low take rate, whole lot of customer support. People couldn't understand how to use. I mean, my customers are 65 plus, so I don't offer subscription. I'm pro subscription. I think subscription business models are the best business models you can have. I, I think subscription is awesome. I have a whole business dedicated to subscription. I have two businesses dedicated to subscription, an information publishing business, smart marketer and a software service business. But my main e-commerce brand has no subscription offerings other than my Amazon subscribe and save. I do have that because people on Amazon are used to that uh, and that does work. But yeah, so... I don't know how to answer that question. I'm not selling subscription. <laughs> no, no,
0: subscription. that's that, that's yeah. No, no, that's that that's good, Ezra. I appreciate that. I I guess what I'm what I'm trying to get at is, uh, is it appropriate or is there a time and place to pre-sell that before people get their subscription? What does that look like? What is that? Is that a week before? Is it appropriate to, to tell pre-sell?
1: them that it's coming?
0: Yeah, and then and then have an option for them to add into the box or add into the subscription.
1: Yeah, I think the way to do subscription with integrity is to tell people each month they're going to get a charge. So to give them a heads up, a lot of people don't do it this way. I and mean, then, hey, rock and roll, no judgment, do whatever you want. But the way that I run subscription is I alert people every time before I'm going to charge them. And I give them reasons to stick around. Hey, and coming up this month, you're going to get X, Y, and Z or, Hey, because you're on subscription, you have access to this right now. So I use those communications as an opportunity to cross sell additional items and as an opportunity to remind people of the value proposition of being subscribed, but I do communicate before every charge. I don't know. I'd be curious how these other guys who are selling physical products do it.
3: Yeah. I'd love to hear that. John, any thoughts from you guys? So we and it's been it's it's funny that you mentioned it Ezra because we probably had through the years hundreds of discussions. So we don't give notification on BattleBox, you know, the the three days, four days prior that we that we are renewing. Now we we are a subscription. We're probably there's four to five touch points saying the same thing over and over again, just just setting expectations, making sure. They're abundantly clear that it is a subscription. It is auto-renewing. Here's how to cancel. Here's how to skip a month. But once they sign up, they're, they're going to keep getting it. The um, upsell and add-ons, we do it on that initial box. We have several. We have a pre-making it to the cart. We have a in-cart add-on, and then we have a post-purchase add-on. After that, though, we in that initial excitement, that initial purchase, we, we don't add additional items we'll have exclusive items that might be a la carte and separate from the box itself. But um, it's a little bit funky just that the nuances of this subscription box piece piece, like with us, we have 20 different SKUs of boxes for subscriptions, right? So it's not, you know, and you're, you're ordering thousands and thousands of these boxes. So for us, because you know, our average item that we might be including or upselling, is, could be very large, right? Our boxes on average are seven pounds. So for us, giving those other variables, it's kind of tough sometimes. So we we don't, on those additional second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh subscription, we we, we don't offer additional items.
2: I was gonna say, can I, can I add one other thing to this as well? Like yeah. from, you know, I've, I've got to run a few, Few subscription boxes in uh, in my day, and one way that we've actually found that works really well for letting the customer know that their box is going to be coming, uh, but in a way that actually drives more revenue is we always have like this one week add on sale that's like a flash sale, more or less, where there's a bunch of, and a lot of the products are are items that we had that were leftovers from previous boxes or uh, leftover like full boxes or a number of other items that we curate specifically for these these add on sales, and in order to qualified to get these add-on items, you have to be a subscriber to the box. And we generate like a ton of extra revenue with with these add-on sales uh, and to have the added benefit of letting people know that the subscription box is coming in the very near future. So any person that might unsubscribe as a result of being warned that their box is coming is way offset by the huge demand that our customers. that we experience just by virtue of them knowing that these sales are coming and that there's going to be a whole bunch of products um, that they're going to be able to get a really good value on by being part of this box. And I think FabFitFun and some of the other boxes do do similar add-on sales. It it's a logistical nightmare for sure. Not a nightmare, but you have to you got to take your whole list of people that bought add-ons and pack their boxes and add their add-ons kind of at one point and then do the, the rest of your list separately, but it's a, it's a great way to I'd add more value, and as well as make sure that people know that they're uh, again not judging anybody, but know that they have another charge coming soon. I feel judged.
0: <laughs> yeah, one of these things is not like the other, John. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, Nick, what do you guys do pre pre purchase uh, when those subscriptions come out?
4: Uh, pre purchase, so we do. We are in the process of working on little things like if someone adds a one time product to their car, we do try to work on. Upgrading them to a subscriber. Um, really, the way that we look at anything is if if someone we want we want people to make their own decisions, right? But we don't want to make the worst decision the easier decision. So, for example, like if it's canceling, you even see with Amazon, you don't make it where it's easy to cancel. Now, that doesn't mean you make it hard to cancel, but we always put like that step within. And so, we actually for the longest time did not send a reminder email, and a lot of that for us. And and I'm talking. This is just a couple months ago. So we literally just switched. So I'm I'm sitting on like the Ryan and Ezra side, but I was right there with you, John. Where I was like, uh, you know, they know it's coming. Like they signed up for it. Like sorry if you're not responsible. Um, but we we did just change over just to doing that, just because it was causing just some people uh, a headache. But yeah, before we always try to get people to up this to a subscri- subscription. With giving given them some sort of discount or some sort of incentive. And then as we go, we don't actually currently, we should, we don't actually give um, upsells throughout, but that is something that we're kind of in the process of building out.
0: Cool. That brings me to uh, my next question. Before that though, John, big props. Uh, wait, you guys are, oh no, you're carnivore club.
2: <laughs> butcher, but, but, <laughs> yeah. butcher, butcher box is actually Canadian. Butcher box is Canadian. Now you're going to say butcher box and their CMO. Is like five minutes from where I'm sitting right now.
0: Oh, okay. Because apparently they do a really
3: good add-on. They always get an extra they, they do I've, somebody says, <laughs> I've, "I've purchased from Butcher Box," and they they definitely do. Yeah. To yeah. To, to be fair, Carnivore Club is Canadian founded as well. I Even like meat. yeah, yeah. And I love they, good they Canadian meat it. too. So.
0: <laughs> uh, awesome. I've got actually one more. I didn't realize we're we're basically at the end of this panel. Thank you guys so much. Uh, before that, I want one more question for, uh, we're going to try and get through all the panelists for this question. And I think it's really, really important um, so that people actually have a really good foundation for um, subscriptions. Uh, Ezra, let's start with you. What's your recommendation for a tech stack to be set up on day one uh, for e-com?
1: I mean, I'm not the guy, right? I'm super biased towards Shopify and Recharge just because I'm like a Shopify ambassador, so so I'm not particularly ob- objective. I have all my <laughs> businesses built on built on Shopify. I'm a fan of that technology stack just for ease of use, ease of user interface, ease of additional third-party apps. Obviously, I have apps built for Shopify. Uh, I think Recharge is the best current subscription thing out there over Bold, probably. But now they they've both gone native, and I don't even think Recharge has a native app yet. So probably Bold's native Shopify uh, subscription app. And I think Shopify is building subscriptions in-house, I'm a big fan of the clavio integration into Shopify, which is sort of your standard e-commerce tech stack at this point. There's a lot of ways to do it. And my, my viewpoint is technology doesn't so much matter. If you have good product and good marketing, any tech stack will do. I got people in my mastermind on OS commerce, WooCommerce, Magento, Big Commerce, and they're all running eight figure brands. So it's like, you can make this work, custom stacks, right? Ryan's on a custom stack. It's so like you can make this work with whatever technology you're comfortable with. Who is running your technology? And what are they comfortable with? That's kind of the better question is like, mm. who is going to be responsible for this and what can they actually operate and use and, and work with? So, you know, there's a lot of what's better than the other. And I think it's more about like, what are you and your team comfortable with? Because most of the technology stacks out there can achieve similar uh, behavioral setup through a sales process. So, you know, I'm biased towards Shopify, but I think um, there's a level at which it doesn't matter. John, what does
0: your
3: tech stack look like? So same, same answer. You know, we've, through the through the brands we've we've acquired, you know, they were on some have been on Magento, some have been on Big Commerce, WooCommerce, and we we do move everything over to, to Shopify and and recharge for the the two main pieces. But it's why it's because we're comfortable with it, right? Because our our dev team is comfortable with it. I think Ezra articulated it perfectly. It's what you and the people that need to manage it are are comfortable with. You know, Carnivore Club, for example, was on. They were on Magento for years. And, you know, the, the, the reason we migrated was because we weren't comfortable with Magento. Nothing against Magento. it's just we had a comfort zone and we knew um, how we wanted to do things. So, but Shopify and Recharge, I am a huge fan of both. I think, uh, you know, on the Recharge side, their leadership and, and accountability and management, and just the way they handle things. I, I have a very strong relationship with them and I think that they do a great job. So for this, at least the subscription billing piece. I am biased towards ReCharge.
4: Yeah, awesome. Nick, similar tech stack for you? Yep, yeah, we're Shopify ReCharge and then we use Klaviyo Postscripts. For shipping, we use ShipStation. Always always, say good stuff there. So that's kind of ours. I know a lot of people use attentive. Um And I, I will just say, like, I think that Ezra finished off well with saying that, like at the end of the day, does not matter? Like using the, what your developer, CTO, whatever it may be, is super useful. I just know for us, whenever we started with custom, It was me and Garrett about as clueless as it gets, not knowing how to do virtually anything. And we did not have a team of developers. So it ended up costing us like $250,000. So if you're out there and you're like, hey, I'm crushing it. I'm doing eight figures already. I'm going to hire in a CTO. I think maybe that's the way you take it. If you're someone like us where we were like, hey, we're just trying to freaking sell something online. Shopify has like the basics for it all. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Guys, I just want to say thanks so much for coming on this panel. I feel like I had about 10,000 more questions uh, for you all. So uh, John and Ryan, at least both of you, I have uh, direct access to all the time. So I'll just be asking you those questions. (laughs) So uh, yeah, I just want to say uh, yeah, really, really appreciate your time. Yeah. Really appreciate uh, all the, all the wisdom there.